The following podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not to be considered as legal advice and does not contain an attorney-client relationship. If you need legal advice, contact a licensed attorney in your state. Enjoy the show. Plead the Sixth, where two lawyers and a real person talk about the law. I'm Catherine. I am the real person. I'm Stacy Krauss. I'm one of the lawyers. And I'm Courtney Daly, and I am the other lawyer. And this week, we are talking about the presumption of innocence. I think that I know a little bit about this, considering that I have had my head bitten off for saying it the wrong way before. Um, but uh, why don't one of you lawyerly types sort of explain a little bit about uh, what the presumption of innocence means? Okay, I think I'll take this because in Vordire... Uh, I take this. <laughs> um, so when Courtney and I do jury selection, I take presumption of innocence and she takes the burden of proof that the state handles. So um, the presumption of innocence is something that it's the only presumption we have in our criminal justice system. Um, and that is that a not, person. You're not assuming anything else? Not presuming. There is no other presumptions in the criminal justice system. The only one is that you are presumed innocent. Unless the state proves, you know, their case beyond a reasonable doubt that you committed a crime. Um, so that that's what it is. It's this idea that the state has to prove their case against you. And until they do, unless they do, you can't, you're, you're innocent. You're an innocent person. So presumption of innocence has been around as a thought since like the time of the Romans, Right. <laughs> So, I mean, like, the, the it, it really, as a theory of how criminal law should work, it's been around for, you know, millennia. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the United States, the way that we get to presumption of innocence is through due process and some of the other rights that people have. Um, so, it's not in the Constitution specifically saying you are presumed innocent unless the state proves their case. That's not where it comes from. The first time that it um, was really discussed was back in, you know, 1895 by the United States Supreme Court. So, you know, in the olden times, yes, in American jurisprudence, like it's been there because we came from the common law, and the common law had it in England and everything else. And let me let me go ahead and throw this in there. Everyone's heard the old adage. It is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer, right? Like everyone's heard that. And that was William Blackstone um, back in the 1760s who wrote that in England. So that's, that's how much this law comes from English law, like presumption of innocence comes from that because that's how, it was so important in England that they would rather let 10 people go guilty, go free than one person be convicted. Um, and that that is also what our system is based on and what we're supposed to believe here as well. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that's really where we're at with our with our society. But I would like everyone to believe it is better that 10 guilty persons escape than that one innocent suffer. I want everyone to believe that. OK, so presumption of innocence was practiced in this country because it was mm-hmm. it's part of the common law, but it wasn't really like 
stated in a very clear fashion until a, a case called Coffin versus United States in 1895. And that's where they, they said, you have a presumption of innocence in this country. It, it stems from this concept of reasonable doubt. It stems from the common law. And we're going to get it from other places in the Constitution saying that the Constitution contemplated this, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment contemplated this concept of perception of innocence when it was drafted, even though it was never specifically stated. It's like they said, um, well, the vibe of the Constitution goes calls for presumption of innocence. <laughs> And it, it was it, it was practiced like you know you it just wasn't like spelled out specifically until a Supreme Court case said no this this happens um, and then in Texas what Texas did is they codified it um, and Texas Code of Criminal Procedure Article thirty eight point oh three presumption of innocence and here's what that statute says it says all persons are presumed to be innocent and no person may be convicted of an offense unless each element of the offense is proved beyond a reasonable doubt. The fact that he has been arrested, confined, or indicted for, or otherwise charged with the offense gives no gives rise to no inference of guilt at his trial. So that is what Texas has done. And that's why when I say unless, that's what Texas is. Unless may not be how it's worded in other states. So when we're talking unless, we're talking Texas. Um, oh, we're always talking Texas, baby. Yeah, we're always talking Texas. <laughs> Bear County specifically, <laughs> but but in Texas they codified the word "unless" into the presumption of innocence, and they codified that you know just being arrested or confined doesn't mean they're guilty, um, and they can't they're they're presumed to be innocent unless the state is proving their case beyond a reasonable doubt. So in Texas, it's a lot clearer than you know, trying to bring all of the common law jurisprudence and all the Supreme Court law on it and everything else because it's not codified anywhere, you know, in that sense. It's not written down so clearly as it is in the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, which is great for us because we have an actual statute we can point to and go, hey, they're presumed innocent. The law says so, like the written statutory law says so. But it's also, but it's also a constitutional right as well. So. What's interesting to me with that particular definition, it it goes on to say that just because they've been convicted of this before doesn't mean that they did it this time. And that, like, I didn't realize that that was part of the presumption of innocence. Like, is that is that like a thing everywhere? Does every is everyone supposed to assume that just because someone's done it before, they haven't done it this time? Okay, you're gonna have to cut this part out because that's not what it says. <laughs> Oh, that's not what it says? No. It says that he the fact that he has been arrested, confined, or indicted for, or otherwise charged with the offense. So it's the offense they're charged with right now. Uh, gives no rise to gives rise to no inference of guilt. Now we can talk about what you just asked me because that that is true. Previous acts don't usually get to come into the trial. Juries don't usually get to hear about somebody having been convicted of it before. But that's like okay. a whole different topic. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We, yeah, that'll be a whole, that, that sounds like it could be a whole nother episode. I misunderstood. Never mind. Now, what does it mean in reality, right? Like that's, that's the great um, theory of presumption of innocence. And that's what we educate the jury on that, you know, as that defendant is sitting in that chair right now, they are innocent. And unless the state can give you enough evidence to prove to you beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the crime that the state says that they did, 
they're innocent, 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 innocent. That innocence goes from the beginning to the end, unless the state at the end has proven they're guilty. And then you can discard the presumption. Um, so that's that's what presumption of innocence is. Okay, that makes sense. That I mean, that seems easy enough. I mean, you're innocent unless someone proves that you're not. That makes sense. How does it how does it impact the way that a court works? Like like surely if it's such a big thing then it then it impacts the sort of day-to-day workings of a courtroom. Um it it doesn't impact the courtroom as much as we'd like it to. That's for sure. We would love for this presumption of innocence to be blasted everywhere that the you know that that everyone is so aware of it, including prosecutors, that it makes them act in a certain way as if our client is innocent, right? Um, unfortunately, that's not the reality. Uh, prosecutors, I think, presume guilt on all of our clients. They just do. And so when we're trying to talk to them and we're like, hey, our client is presumed innocent unless you prove the case to the jury. And so what you're doing right now seems a bit unfair because sometimes pretrial conditions can get a little unfair to defendants because they're being asked to do a lot of things before they've even been found guilty of anything. And so sometimes that happens and the state is the one leading that charge. And it just seems, like I said, it seems unfair. Can you give me some examples of what some of those conditions might be? Well, for for example, now, right now with um, the recent governor's uh, executive order that limits, uh, or restricts uh, who can be released on a personal reconnaissance bond. It um, kind of, not kind of, I firmly believe it does strip people of their presumption of innocence because if they're charged with an assault or some other um, violent crime, they are being presumed to be guilty of that crime and therefore not released because they are presumed to be um, violent. And, you know, before the executive order, people were getting released even if they were, you know, accused of a violent crime because, you know, it would look more to the circumstances of everything, right? Like, was this their first offense? But right now it doesn't matter if it's their first offense. If they are simply accused of this crime, then they are no longer have the option of being released on a PR bond. And so that's one thing recently where like a restriction has been placed um, that presumes guilt rather than innocence. And there are other things you can be placed on GPS. You can be placed on ignition interlock. You can be given no contact orders that become very difficult because the person you're supposed to have no contact with is lives at the home you live in with your children, you know, and sometimes the state doesn't care if the person who has made the accusation wants to dismiss it and drop it and wants their life to go back to normal. Um, they, you know, they may have made the claim for any number of reasons and it may not be true, but the state doesn't care. They still want their not, no contact orders. And so you have a lot of restrictions on people's liberties that can happen. And we're seeing it quite often during COVID right now, GPS has been a very common condition of release. Um, and then with ignition interlock, if you ever are charged with certain levels of the of DWIs, you have to have an ignition interlock before you've even been convicted of, of it. Um, just like just like real quick, 
What's an ignition interlock? <laughs> okay, it's it's a device you have to blow in to start your car. So what? <laughs> okay, that's wild. Yeah. So, like, if you're charged with an intoxication offense, they can order an ignition interlock or some kind of. Um, there's mobile devices if you're not driving, um, where you blow in and it tells you it it reports to the government if you have any positive readings and even like a little bit. You have one beer and then you blow into it and you're not drunk. But you have had alcohol because as a condition of your bond, you're not allowed to drink. That's a condition of your bond, too. That is also another restraint on your liberty. So these devices monitor to make sure you're not drinking. And if you do drink, then they can bring you back and put you in jail to have you sit there until you, you know, go to trial. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Like, like. I don't even drink that much, but to just not be allowed to drink for the months before this case is resolved when it isn't even assured that I'm guilty yet, it just makes me so, like, I would be so affronted. I'd be like, uh, uh, <laughs> well, but this bottle of wine I had not drank, drunk for the last year is no longer available to me. How dare you? <laughs> um, and we'll have a whole episode about how mean that the intoxication laws are in the state of texas it's it's, you know they're they're very harsh and they're harsh for a reason you know we don't want people out there drinking and driving right like you don't want somebody intoxicated you know to end up hitting someone it's never the person who's intoxicated it's always the person that they hit that dies and we are very cognizant of the seriousness and I use the word cognizant. We are very aware of the seriousness <laughs> of, of DWI offenses. They're serious. But at the same time, there is a level of restriction that if you're even charged with a DWI, you have a lot of your liberty restrained because you've been charged with them before the state has proven that you're guilty of it. And it that feels like stripping somebody's presumption of innocence. So I guess why it took me so long to digest your first question is because I was trying to think so hard if I really did think that people are presumed innocent from the start because I really don't know if I do. Like, I think that's the idea and that's what people, you know, say is what's happening. But I think in reality, there's so many examples where they're not presumed innocent. And I feel like, I almost feel like, you know, when I was thinking about your question, I was like, okay, well, I feel like they're truly presumed innocent at the start of trial, right? Because we go over it in Vordire and we, you know, a lot in Vordire and we really do think, okay, they understand that concept, right? But I think beforehand, because before the jury is selected, you're dealing with prosecutors, you're dealing with judges, you're dealing with people that are constantly in the criminal justice um, system. And so it's people that I, I mean, I hate to say it, but are a little bit, um, not, pessimistic is not the, the right word I'm trying to think of, but they're Prejudiced? maybe a little bit at that, but it's just like, they deal with this every day. So it's just kind of like they are, um, jaded? jaded. That's the word I was looking for. There it is. So like, you know, I mean, not all prosecutors, right? I mean, I'm not. I don't want to like make this podcast into like some sort of like burn book, but like it does hashtag feel not some, all prosecutors. Yeah, hashtag not all prosecutors. But sometimes it does feel like um, when you're talking to a prosecutor, they're taking the police report as like 
the word of God and you're trying to tell them, no, like I have spoken to the witnesses who spoke to the police. And if you watch the body cams, it's there. They wrote it in the report wrong, you know? And it's just like, they, they, it's just like, (sighs) I need to take a breath. It's, (laughs) it's frustrating because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're assuming guilt and you're trying to get them back to assume that person's not guilty and like here's why so you don't even have to like bring it to trial i think i'm rambling a little bit but you see what i'm saying like that's why it it, it took me so long to digest that question is because i was like is that really reality though like do we actually have the presumption of innocence in like working in the system and it's sort of that 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 seems like a a pretty valid wonderment to have because i think my my first instinct upon hearing about in particular prosecutors not having a presumption of innocence how could a prosecutor assume that someone is innocent while also trying to prove that they're not does that make sense yeah, I think I think the issue with that, like thinking that like their job is to prove that they're not, is that we forget that technically their job is to seek justice. And sometimes um, it gets twisted and, you know, they think, you know, conviction equals justice, but that's not always the case. But there's those that, you know, it's really easy to work with because you really are trying to find the solution that, is truly justice. But that's it I think it really depends on that prosecutor's mindset and approaching their own job is do they think their job is to prove that person guilty or do they think their job is to seek justice? And I think that mindset is going to determine whether or not they're truly embodying innocence. Unless proven guilty, or if they are assuming guilt. Until? Until? Wait, no. No, unless. Unless unless is the right one. Until is the wrong one. Until is the wrong one. Okay, 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 okay. Sorry. Yes. Maybe that's it, though. Do they think unless, or do they think until? Ooh. (laughs) Maybe the prosecutors have been brought in by Hollywood, too. And that is my little pet peeve. You know, if we're going to talk about this, let's talk about my pet peeve. Um, you know, the until definitely comes with it, this idea that the state's going to prove their case. The word until. Not, you know, unless means maybe they will, maybe they won't. But until means they're going to prove it. And the state historically always wins. That hasn't been true in Bear County in the past year or so, but that's kind of a change, I think, um, to what was going on before. Before, the state always won. You go to trial, the state wins. It's an easy win for the state. You know, the defense almost never won. And in conservative counties in Texas, that still happens, <laughs> um, where it's very difficult to win a jury trial in certain places because the state, if they're bringing a case against you, then you must have done it. That is just the mindset we're dealing with in in criminal laws in general, because you know obviously people who are sitting as jurors probably have never been arrested, uh, never been accused of a crime, 
um, those jurors who have been, they don't make it on the jury, right? The the state doesn't want people who have been accused before and know what the process is like to be on a jury. So even if you were went to trial, found innocent, or the case was dismissed against you or something else, the state finds out you have a criminal case, they're probably not putting you on the jury. So you have people who can't imagine a situation where they themselves are arrested a lot of the times on juries. And so it comes with this bias that I don't commit crimes and I've never been arrested. So if you've been arrested, you must have committed a crime. And that is why I spend quite a bit of time during jury selection talking about that, talking about it's unless, it's not until, and we need to change the way we think in multiple ways. One, he's innocent right now sitting here. You have to look at him and think he's innocent. And two, the state is not guaranteed to prove their case against them. You have to hold the state to their burden and it's a high burden. And that's the unless versus the until thing for me. Hmm. That's a lot. It's sorry. It's just, it's just a lot to take in because it, 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 seems kind of simple at first blush, but it it seems like it has a lot of implications. Yeah. And it extends beyond the actual criminal justice system too. Like, I mean, I know I was being a little bit um, negative when I was talking about, you know, doubting whether or not the presumption is actually there in reality. Um, But that's because when you think about it, I mean, kind of like Stacey said, when you see someone in handcuffs or when you see someone sitting in the defendant's seat at trial, your first thought is, you know, I wonder what they did. Um, And you're assuming that they did something. Um, And, I mean, we do that with, you know, everyday life. You know, when you hear about something on the news and it's reported, um, you know, your first thought's not, I wonder if the state's going to be able to prove that case. You're you're like, oh, they did that. You know what I mean? Um, and I struggle with that too. Like there's certain crimes that certain people commit and they are reported on. And I think, oh, that person did that. And then I have to remind myself, well, we don't know that. And then my brain says, well, I hope the state can prove that case <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I want them, I want their presumption of innocence to still be there. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't think that certain you know, just because Stacey and I think that, like, you know, everyone should be presumed innocent doesn't think we believe everyone is innocent. We just think that presumption should be there. That way, the state has to prove the case. It's important for the state to be held to their responsibilities and duties. And that mm-hmm. the presumption of innocence is part of that. But in order for the presumption of innocence to work, jurors have to believe it. And that's, that's kind of why I think we wanted to do this podcast was to hopefully educate a jury pool about presumption of innocence um, and for people to start talking about this because it's really important because if you don't have jurors who believe in the presumption of innocence, then, they, then it's already easier for the state to prove their case than it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's, ooh, that's a great point. So speaking, speaking of jurors, um, is this the is this the transition that I actually want? Oh, I have so many questions. Um, do you think if jurors, if the people who could one day become jurors, 
the the quote unquote real person um, or average person in 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 America was more believed more in the presumption of innocence. Do you, do you think that that would put more pressure on the state to think differently? Do do they really answer that much to jurors? Uh, no, I don't think that the state's going to change the way that they think, Courtney. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would change the way they think. Maybe it would change the way that they did their job a little bit because if they're the presumption of innocence makes their job harder, right? And it's supposed to. Sure. Yeah, and that yeah, we want. I mean, no matter what you think, you want the state's job to be hard because you don't want it to be easy for someone to go to jail. You you want it to be hard. Yeah. That way, innocent <laughs> people. Don't Courtney, go to jail. Courtney just did the yeah thing. Yeah. That's a regular person's response to that. Okay. What you yes, just did, that, was, that was that was Kethry being like, yeah, I want it to be hard to go to jail. I oh, don't okay. want to go to jail. Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't like a doubt. That was like a yeah, I do want it to be hard. That is, yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And another, re- and like, you know, you want it to be hard because not only do you want it hard for innocent people to go to jail, but you want it hard um, for guilty people to go to jail because then when, pe- when guilty people go to jail, you can be confident in that verdict. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, you don't want unsure verdicts right those are scary things um but i'm losing my train of thought a little bit but (laughs) (laughs) oh i see yeah i don't think it'll change how they think but i think it'll make them do their it'll make their job harder so maybe like investigations will be done a little bit more thoroughly which would make our jobs harder but you know i'd rather i'd rather investigations be done properly than improper investigations that, and that's a good point. You know, it. a lot of the reasons why we get not guilties and why we get dismissals is because potentially people who did commit the crime are going free. That's happening, right? Um, because the state is not doing their job properly. And we want the state to do their job properly. Courtney and I are not sitting here saying, let all the guilty people go, right? Like that is not what we're doing. We're not what we're saying. What we're saying is the state needs to be held to a certain level. That's what we're saying. And mm-hmm. presumption of innocence goes with that. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And so having having a having the potential to face a jury that they have to convince of this person's guilt makes would would make them hold themselves to a higher standard. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. <laughs> that's yeah that's yeah. the hope that's the concept sure maybe not so, the execution sometimes well i sure hope it's not the execution uh, but um <laughs> oh no so dark so dark <laughs> that might be a little too dark i don't know if it's gonna have to make the cut and we ap- and, and we apologize to the public yeah we published apologize to the public now if this does make the cut um, because defense <laughs> attorney humor is dark. Just the, na- the nature of what we do and what we're witnessed. I mean, prosecutors are the same thing. We are just, we, we deal with like dark stuff every day. And so our humor tends towards dark because 
if you don't make light of really bad things, they can really get to you. And it's probably why suicide is so common among the criminal legal community. Oof. Yeah, just got, <laughs> yeah, I just went darker than, than that, didn't I? So. Yeah, you just went real dark. I look at spreadsheets all day. I don't have an excuse. I'm just sort of... Okay. Um, so speaking of speaking of jurors and speaking of real people, are, are there ways that the presumption of innocence sort of impacts our society outside of the courtroom? I mean, Do you think? Not really. Yes. Oh, oh. We, don't so? <laughs> we disagree there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> bring up. I can't wait to hear this. Go ahead, Court. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, you know, it's the whole idea of like, uh, or like trial by media, right? Like, I think that, uh, like I was saying earlier, when you hear something, you kind of assume guilt, right? And um, I think there's certain things that, like there's just such a stigma around like being arrested or something like that, where it's like, you're, you're assuming they did something to um, deserve whatever they get. And it's kind of like what we were talking about um, in a previous episode where, um, you know, with the, with the, not the recent police killings, but like with police killings in general, like people use the fact that that person was being arrested or had been arrested as a way to justify what happened to them. And I think if we truly believed in the presumption of innocence outside of the courtroom, that would not be an accepted thought. It would. So Courtney and I are actually on the same page. Um, but so the question was, does presumption of impact uh, of, of presumption of innocence impact the world outside of the courtroom? Right. Mm-hmm. That was the question. And my, and Courtney is saying, I wish it did. Yeah. Right. And I wish it did more. And I'm, you know, I took more of the realist point of view of like, I, it doesn't, it should, but it doesn't. Uh, um, and it would be nice if the media was better trained on the, the presumption of innocence, but that's not flashy and fun. Right. <laughs> Like that doesn't sell. That doesn't. That doesn't sell advertising sure. for your your. I was going to say newspapers, but then I realized that people probably don't know what a newspaper is anymore. And okay, okay. <laughs> people still know what that. Oh my god, that people still know what newspapers are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is the true. ones that actually get delivered to your door. Those newspapers. <laughs> yeah, they still get delivered whether you want them or not. So. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what I mean? But I mean, like selling newspapers used to be like the phrase. You got to the, the big flashy headlines sell newspapers. And that's not really a thing that happens much anymore. They do sell clicks, though. They like do getting the ratings. Clicks. It's about ratings now, right? So it's, it, it would be harder to write an article. Like now you could, I mean, you could write an article saying, you know, John Doe murdered four people. Like that catches your attention more than John Doe has been accused of murdering four people. He may or may not have done it. You know, like <laughs> putting a bunch of like, uh, it's like, or you know, he's when presumed we, innocent right now. Yeah. yeah. Innocent well, person presumed, might have done something bad. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Presumed innocent. John Doe may allegedly murders four. <laughs> yeah. Like that. You're, yeah. I don't know. These are catchy as heck. I would click these. This would make me buy a newspaper. Maybe we should just start rewriting all news articles to say things like that. 
That'd be funny. <laughs> so, you know, so, so maybe the difference in opinion more came back to uh, how badly I worded my question, but um, so, so I, I think, I think we're, we're all agreed that like, whether or not people presume innocence is it it impacts all all corners of our system like like i know that you guys have talked sometimes about about uh we we spoke in a recent episode about how indigent defense is funded um and the decisions that legislators make to fund uh, the defense, uh, the the defense of people who can't afford it, and I I imagine that whether people presume those accused of crimes to be innocent or not would change how willing they are to have their tax money go towards that. That is a good point. Very smart, mm-hmm. Audrey. Thank you. I'm a genius. And also you guys have already said these things to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you said them. Yeah, I don't think we said them as eloquently as you just did. Yeah, I'm, That's probably I'm an artist. It's fine. <laughs> um, it's true. If people understood the criminal justice system better with all of its protections and why the protections exist, then they probably would be more inclined to support legislation that funds criminal defense. Hmm. Yeah. I guess your jobs are important. That's fine. Yeah, it is funny that we keep talking about how we would want to change things and the way we would want to change things like would either make our jobs harder because the burden would be, you know, there would be better investigations so it's harder to have a defense or something like that. Or like, you know, we want people to, um, uh, you know, believe in the criminal justice system. The reforms we want to see will make our jobs harder, right? Like we're not trying to make yeah. our jobs easier. Yeah, it, as much as it seems like sometimes we, um, you know, it, we come across as like we want guilty people to go free, it's not necessarily that. We would love to see reform and stuff to make our jobs harder and to make truly guilty people go to jail because, I mean, we want the system to be pristine and clean and truly like, you know, it would be great if the prosecutors truly did wear the white hats all the time, right? But it feels like a lot of the reforms that, um, defense attorneys want to see is ways to make their hats wider. You know what I mean? Like we we want to see good things happen, even if it's on the quote unquote other side. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean we're we're just wanting this. I feel like criminal defense attorneys a lot of times are the most idealistic people involved in the criminal justice system. We're doing and. It. We are, and we want the system to be so like a well-oiled machine where truly guilty people go to jail, truly innocent people are never even arrested, and you know, and we're sitting there in the middle, barely having to do anything because the state is holding up their end of the bargain not to violate people's rights. And it wouldn't end there. Like, yeah, we would like to see guilty people go to jail, but we also, when they go to jail, we want those conditions to be humane. And we want people to actually truly be rehabilitated. We want them to be, enter- um, um, they, we want them to re-enter into society and be accepted so they can become 
like a functioning member of society and contribute to society again. We oh, so again, we're dreamers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, you're dreaming pretty big. <laughs> everything you just said is so beautiful, and that is our ideal world. And like I said, we you know defense attorneys are probably the most. Um, like almost delusional, but like the, the, you know, we we would love a world where everything that Courtney just described is the way it is. We would love that, um, and that's what we're fighting towards, and that's why we take our job so seriously because we're fighting towards that. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, apparently, we got to do an episode at some point about like this is what we dream, um, but. In the meantime, we got to deal what is. So, yeah. So the the fact of the matter is that right now, presumption of innocence is a great concept, but it doesn't seem like it is a reality right now. So so what can people do to change it? Because it's it's all well and good for us to say this is something that should be different. This is something that we dream of having in a beautiful, magical world. What can we do to bring us one step closer to that magical world? Well, the people who are listening to this podcast are doing that already (laughs) by listening to this podcast. congratulations. (laughs) Um, And then those people can go and talk to other people and educate them about presumption of innocence. And, you know, if they hear somebody on the news, like you're sitting around with your family and you hear somebody on the news say, you know, John Doe murdered four people. And then you see that he was just arrested for it today and he hasn't gone to trial. You can tell your family, you know, he's presumed innocent right now. And here's what that means and why, why it matters. Right. Like, you know, so the people who are listening to this podcast can help us a great deal by spreading that information. Um, that's and sounding thought. like big nerds in the process, but you're making uh, an important sacrifice for all of us. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're right. It's, it's as, small as asking the question anytime someone makes a statement it's is that true is is that person can that person be innocent like like has it been proven it's it's as small as double like thinking one more time about every about the things that you see mm-hmm. and asking those questions to the people that make laws I think uh, is is also an important step in in any legal process, um, because it's it's the the legal system is here for us, it for all of us. It's it shouldn't be something to fight. It should be something there to protect us. So saying these things to lawmakers is one way to make that change. I think, in theory. In theory, yeah. <laughs> I also think, you know, kind of like what I said earlier about, you know, I struggle with maintaining the presumption in the outside world when I'm watching the news sometimes too and I see certain um, events and I have to remind myself like, you know, let's see how this pans out, you know. And sometimes I think, you know, I hope the state can prove their case, you know. Um, but it's also like – Whenever there's, like, a big event that, like, the whole nation is watching, right, and people are calling for justice, um, people just have to be aware of, like, what are they really asking for, right? And 
I guess what I mean is like the like with the um current events and the recent police killings, you know, certain people have wanted, you know, uh first degree murder or something like that. And I've seen people have to remind other people, actually, you know, you may, you maybe want them to be charged with felony murder because that has a, you know, that's not as hard for the state to prove. So if you truly want to find them guilty, you know, you have to be okay with prosecutors charging them with a lesser crime. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's like, I don't know if that really has still a presumption of innocence, but it's like, thinking differently about what justice is and it starts with the presumption of innocence. And you you know, if police officers believed in the presumption of innocence too, maybe we would have less police brutality. Yeah. Maybe there would be, yes. Presumption of innocence. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, presumption of innocence, important. You should presume that people are innocent. You should tell your friends that people are probably innocent unless the state proves that they're not innocent. And we should change it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we have any final thoughts on presumption of innocence? Um, like I said earlier, I mentioned earlier that during jury selection, I spent a little bit of time educating the jury about presumption of innocence. And I do this in a very specific way. I, you know, ask someone in the jury pool, you know, my client sitting there right now, innocent or guilty. And I get, I, sometimes I get innocent, which I'm like, good job. Right answer. Sometimes I get, I don't know yet. And <laughs> And that's the answer I'm usually looking for because I want to be able to, because most of the people in the jury pool are having that same thought. I don't know yet. I don't know if they're innocent or guilty. How can I know? I haven't heard any evidence, right? And that's the point I want to make to them. And that that's how I make the point is you're, you don't know, right? So what are they? Right now, you've heard no evidence. What are they? If you had to give me a verdict right now, what would the verdict be? And that's how I get them to understand presumption of innocence and so, you know, even though we're, we're having this great podcast and we're talking about presumption of innocence and everything else, I'm not expecting this to actually change the world. What changes the world is good defense attorneys explaining it to the jury pools because eventually everyone gets to listen to a, a voir dire, right? Everyone gets, well, not everyone, I guess. Some people never go to jury duty. But the people who go to jury duty and the ones that are going to be in our jury pools eventually get to hear that and hopefully learn something from it. And take that out into their regular lives and apply it. Hmm. What about you, Court? I was so transfixed by Stacy's final thought. I wasn't thinking of my own <laughs> final thought. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moment of silence for Court. Her one thing that what Stacy was saying that like reminded me of is like one of my favorite phrases to use during trial, which is if you're not sure then they're not guilty. And I think that's because if the state can't get you past the presumption of innocence, then they're not guilty. Even if they got you close. But if you're not sure, then they're not guilty. And that's how you keep innocent people out of jail. Um, But 
I guess my final thought on presumption of innocence is that, you know, if it wasn't, if it wasn't as important, if it wasn't important enough to give it its own podcast episode, then like the world wouldn't work the way it does, but it is important. And so it does get its own podcast episode because (laughs) it, I mean, as we said, like, you know, it's, it's been around for a while and it's because it's important. I keep saying important, but that's what it is. It's important. And yeah. without should it... Should I look up a thesaurus? Should, yeah, should, I, should honestly, I find other words for important for you? Probably, but oh well. It's <laughs> necessary for the system to work properly. Yes. Important and necessary and vital. Look, I'm doing a thesaurus thing right now. <laughs> and um, without it... Uh, I don't know because I we I don't know what the world would be like without it because we've had it for a long time and without it things just wouldn't be good. They're not good now, but they definitely wouldn't be good without <laughs> the presumption of innocence. The, the hot take from Courtney Daly, not good. <laughs> and and there are places where you're presumed guilty and you have to prove your innocence. And can you imagine that being the world we live in and how awful that would be? I feel like it's a lot harder to prove you're innocent than to prove someone did it. Yeah. Okay. So on that harrowing final thought. Um... <laughs> oh, sorry. My final thought was all over the place. Nancy's was so like eloquent and mine's just like, it's important. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know, important. I mean, we, we got it. We got the message. It's important. We know now. To be um, fair, I have a whole script, Courtney, because I do this and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. This, um, I'm a... Okay, that's fair. When we get to a reasonable doubt, that'll be your time to shine. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> sure. It really is. <laughs> okay, folks. This has been Plead the Sixth. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Kraus Daily Law, as well as our website, KrausDailyLaw.com, where we will be posting episodes and you can comment and discuss and have opinions and presume that everybody in the comment box is innocent. Um, and we're always <laughs> happy to answer your questions. Join us next time as we are going to be joined by a very special guest, the Honorable Judge Michael DeLeon, in order to discuss the role of the judge in the courtroom until then keep pleading the sixth